What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast. Happy Friday. Football Friday, indeed. We're coming off a of Cleveland Browns-Philadelphia Eagles game on Thursday night. Scorcher, 5 nothing. Browns win. Um, the, the Browns picked up Hugh Jackson, dumped Gatorade on him, carried him into the locker room, off the field, and celebrated like a championship. That, that actually didn't happen, but it would have been awesome had it happened. Uh, Hugh Jackson was soaking up the moment like it, like he won a Super Bowl. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. I am going to be joined shortly by Dave Richard to take you on a magical mystery tour of all the preseason games for this weekend. We're going to tell you what to watch for every single game as it relates to that team's depth chart, uh, what, what we're looking to see, and very specifically fantasy drafts. Um, I'm going to be drafting in Pinehurst, North Carolina this Saturday, my main draft. Excited about that. I'm going to play some golf and then do a draft. Going to use the CBS draft board that you get if you sign up for the early early bird special with the commissioner. You hang the draft. You get twelve people in a room and you make them walk up to the front and put the like you got to you got to put a sticker that says Bilal Powell up there in the fourth round. Nobody wants to do that in the second round. I mean, who knows? It can go south on you pretty quickly when you're doing that. Um, much more south than like a draft room can because you you're watching the whole thing anyway. There's some takeaways from this Cleveland Browns, Philadelphia Eagles game we're going to get to, and then Dave and I will break down every single game. It's a longer podcast, so let's dive right into the Browns stuff. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Before we do that, um, you can join the Pick 6 Podcast Pick'em League, pick6pod.football.cbssports.com. If that won't work, go to twitter.com backslash Will Brinson, and I have pinned to the top of my page uh, the link for that podcast league. So come join that. Pick every game against the spread. We got prizes to give away at the end of the year, and that'll be exciting. If you want to win a really cool prize that don't cost nothing, go to cbssports.com backslash kickoff sweeps and enter to win a 65-inch super turbo incredible high-tech LG TV. It weighs 18 pounds. It is apparently thinner than a pencil, and I want somebody from this podcast to win it. So go enter that. Uh, or somebody who listens to this podcast. I can't win it. Somebody who listens to this podcast to win it. So go check that out. On the Browns-Eagles game, um, it was 5 nothing. So minimal stuff to take away. It is notable that Tyrod Taylor hurt his wrist early in that game. Baker Mayfield replaced him. But then Tyrod Taylor came back in. Um, I get, I like that Tyrod's, he's, I'm not leaving. I got to get in there. Got to win my job. Don't like that Hugh Jackson who has spent the entire offseason telling us that this is Tyrod Taylor's team and Tyrod Taylor's job shoved his starting quarterback back in the game. Doesn't make any sense. It tells you, I mean, it flat out tells you that Tyrod knows that this job, that this gig is not not guaranteed and that Baker Mayfield is a lot closer than he would, that anyone will really admit. Um, Baker looked good when he played. He banged up his head. Uh, on, on a play where he hit an offensive lineman's knee slash thigh slash, uh, trunk stump down there, just huge leg, popped his head back the wrong way and he was evaluated. Uh, the, the, the independent neurologist wanted to check him for concussion. He was deemed to be fined by a Brown spokesperson. I gotta tell you, you look at Baker Mayfield, he looks like Drew Brees in terms of size, accuracy, ability to move in the pocket. Um, there's some pundits out there who are gonna thrash him all season. Don't fall for it. Baker Mayfield's going to be good. Buy into Baker Mayfield. He slides in the pocket well. He's very accurate. He's a cowboy. 
Mark Sessler and I talked about this yesterday. Go listen to that podcast if you haven't. Baker Mayfield's a cowboy, and that's fine. He has a different approach to the game, but all of these, every, all these guys with chips on their shoulder, and it's fine for Baker Mayfield to have a chip on his shoulder. He's a walk-on who eventually won the Heisman and then became the number one pick. He's not going to just stop having a chip on his shoulder. Um, they all approach it differently. Russell Wilson has a massive chip on his shoulder, but he's, he's not as outgoing about, as Baker is about it. Just, it's, it's fine. Um, Brown's defense looked really good. Miles Garrett's going to have a monster year. He's a borderline, like, what are the, I don't know what the, I don't, I don't have him in front of me, but if he's 30 to 1 for defensive player of the year, I would consider that in a heartbeat. Um, you see what he's doing with power and speed off the edge. He put Holly Vitae, I'm not going to dare try to pronounce his first name once this year on this podcast. He put Holly Vitae on skates, finished with two sacks in this game. I mean, he just got into Vitae's chest, and Vitae's just stumbling backwards, kicking like crazy. You could see the power and the speed from from Garrett all game long. He's going to have a really good year. Um, I don't. I, I'm not going to strut around and, and talk about the Eagles missing the playoffs after a 5-0 preseason loss in Week Three to the Browns. I'm, I'm not going to do it. That would be dumb. Um, but Nick Foles looked terrible and has looked terrible all preseason. And it's entirely possible that Nick Foles, who, as I've said, is one of the streakiest quarterbacks in all of football, could very well be heading for a bad streak after he won the friggin' Super Bowl last year. Um, Pete Briscoe, who was on this podcast this week defending Blake Bortles again, bashed Nick Foles over and over and over and over again on Twitter, and that's fine. Um, I, you know, I, look, Nick Foles is not great. He's streaky. Okay. He's not great. He's good and he's bad and he's bad and he's good and it flips and flops and, and it does. He's just streaky. And Doug Peterson benched him and put Nate Sel- benched sort of. He's basically like, I've done seeing Nick Foles at halftime through Nate Sudfeld in there. Nate Sudfeld's pretty good, made some nice throws. But look, the Eagles are in a little bit of trouble here. Uh, you know, defense looked fine. Didn't let the, uh, you know, intercepted Baker Mayfield. Didn't, you know, got all over that, all through that Browns offensive line. Um, you feel good about that from an Eagles perspective, but that offense is a concern, man. They don't have their, their top targets. Zach Ertz wasn't out there, but I mean, you know, they don't, they don't, they're not operating at full capacity right now. We'll see what happens when Carson Wentz gets back, but it's reasonable to be concerned about the Eagles offense. Um, there are lots of other things you got to worry about for this year, though. Angel Fantasy Draft and Week 3 preseason. So let's go talk to our friend, our pal, Dave Richard, at Dave Richard on Twitter, Senior Fantasy Analyst at CBSSports.com. All right, Dave. Thanks for hopping on the show. Uh, for the second week in a row, I am honored to have one of our many great fantasy contributors joining us for this Friday show to look ahead. Heath Cummings was last week. I don't know if Heath listens to the show, but I don't want him to be offended, Dave, but there's nobody I like talking to on a podcast or in real life better than you. Uh, you probably say that to all the fantasy writers. I say it to all my guests, actually, but, but I, <laughs> I really do mean it when I say it to you, Dave. Um, I, uh, I, I have a big time soft spot for you, Will, and I always think we have a good time, good chemistry whenever we talk. So looking forward to this. This is, it's always great to talk football with you. It is. And the best part is, Dave, we're going to run through every single week three game and talk about what we want to look forward to, both from a fantasy and a real life perspective, because 
frankly, the two things are the same stuff at this point. They overlap everywhere. Like, for instance, if I want to look at the Redskins' defensive line, that matters for their DST, and it matters for the teams that they're going to go against in the first few weeks. So sure. let's let's dive right in. Uh, we won't start with the Redskins, but they are one of the first games. We'll start with the Patriots and the Panthers. New England, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady coming down to Charlotte. Um, I won't be at that game. I'll be playing golf. That's fine. No big deal. Um, I'm playing golf today, actually. In fact, as most people are listening to this, I might be on the course. I'm playing, uh, I'm playing at noon down in Pinehurst. I'm very excited about it. I am also excited to see what the Panthers offense looks like in this game, Dave, because so far, Cam Newton has been utilized by Norv Turner in a way that indicates two things, to me anyway. One, they want to crank up his completion percentage and make him more efficient. And two, they're scared about protecting him and don't want to throw the ball down the field. I want to see how that offense looks in terms of protection and how it looks in terms of uh, letting Cam distribute to his weapons and where those targets are located. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. And I think you're right. I think that they're just trying to get Cam used to doing what they think is best, which is easy, high percentage passes, and uh, certainly get all these interesting players that they have in position to make plays after the catch. We saw it a bunch from Christian McCaffrey last season. We've seen it before in Greg Olson's career where he makes a catch and then he does something after the catch that makes you go ooh and ah. Torrey Smith will occasionally do that. I don't think that's going to be um, <laughs> anything great or certainly on a consistent basis. Uh, Devin Funches had a, had a nice streak last season when they needed him to do that, and he did. And then you've got DJ Moore, who I think is really going to be um, the centerpiece to what this whole theory is, which is find him within 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, let him use his skills and traits to make a play, and then maybe he's off to the races. Maybe he picks up 10 extra yards. Maybe he only picks up three or four more extra yards. But it's still something that can help the Panthers out and help Cam Newton out. What we're not going to see is a lot of Cam Newton running, because you don't see that in the preseason. And I wonder if they're going to mix and match their running backs a little bit more. CJ, CJ Anderson has not had a chance to really play a lot with the starters. In their first, in their second preseason game, Will, Christian McCaffrey played 17 straight snaps mm. with Cam Newton and then he was done. And then CJ Anderson came in and he picked up seven more with Cam and then played after Cam left. So, you know, Ron Rivera was talking before the season about yeah, we're going to give Christian McCaffrey 25 to 30 touches per game. And everybody went, <laughs> but is it going to be too far off of that? Could he actually get 20 touches per game? And call me crazy, he looks bigger than he did as a rookie. Yeah. And they, they seem to be fattening him up and getting him ready to have a workload similar to Kareem Hunt. Mm. Now, that would be interesting. I think that – so when you look at the numbers, and Heath and I talked about this last week, but Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara had almost identical volume numbers. Kamara was just wildly more efficient than, than Christian McCaffrey, of course, and won people leagues while McCaffrey lost in leagues. I like I like McCaffrey at his at his price, as in, in a non, even in non-PPR, late second, early third round. I, I probably won't be able to get him in my leagues because I live in North Carolina. There are a lot of Panthers fans, but I like the I like the idea of – Especially if you go wide receiver early, maybe go on McCaffrey on the wrap. It took me the preseason to see it. Yeah. Now I'm also, I'm also interested to see just how much the Patriots try and scheme up against this mm. because Chris McCaffrey is part of this huge wave of the future, which really isn't the future. It's kind of the wave of the now 
at running back in the NFL where they're trying to use these running backs all over the field and find mismatches for them. So is this going to be kind of a litmus test for Brian Flores and Bill Belichick's defense, or is this going to be just another game where the Patriots defense just sees how, or the coaches rather see how their defense reacts to this offense in Carolina? Uh, with the Patriots, the, really the only thing for me is where's the volume going from Brady, right? Or maybe the running back volume. Like, what is that what you want to see out of New England? Or are you just not buying anything the Patriots do? I'm wondering if what we've seen from the Patriots running backs will change. We've typically seen James White get a lot of the starters reps, get a lot of the playing time with Brady. That's what happened last week. And Jeremy Hill kind of brought up the rear. He did get some time with Brady, but most of his carries have come with backups. I wonder if Jeremy Hill and or Mike Gillisley can get a few more reps with the starting unit just to see what they can do. They they know what James White can do. Yep. I almost wonder if they kind of hide him in this mm. game. And he's one of my favorite fantasy sleepers, man. I think that his his familiarity with the offense, his ability to catch passes, line up all over the field, and that once upon a time he scored three touchdowns in the Super Bowl to help the Patriots beat the Falcons in overtime. He knows what he's doing, and I think he's good enough to be their first and second down back if they want. They lost Deion Lewis. They drafted Sonny Michel to potentially be that guy. Rex Burkhead doesn't have fresh ligaments in his knee. <laughs> Maybe James White is the guy to get who begins the season as the Patriots' most reliable running back. And when you factor in Brandon Cooks being gone and Julian Edelman being out at least the first four games of the season, James White is a guy who can take on volume as a pass catcher too, lined up, uh, split out, out of the backfield, however you want. That's what the Patriots do. I, I think you're onto something, and his price is dirt cheap. And if he doesn't play, like they don't use him at all mm. in this third and fourth preseason game, that will speak volumes. And they might say, well, we just wanted to see what Jeremy Hill and Mike Gillisley could do. And I'm Bill Belichick. The game, the, game plan, the game plan was revolving around. Yeah, yeah, we're on to, you know, whoever we play in the fourth preseason <laughs> game. We're on to the Giants. Uh, you have that listed? You have that in front of you? Good for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Peter prepared. Oh, is that Peter prepared? That'd be a, okay. Uh, I, I like it. I just, I don't, I, I was going to click the Patriots here. You have the notes. The Patriots playing the Giants in the fourth preseason game. That's a scorcher. Uh, the Denver Broncos <laughs> and Washington Redskins will play in DC on Friday night. Um, I, obviously I think for the Redskins, you've got to see what is Adrian, like I'm in on the Redskins over. I'm in on the Redskins winning the division. I need to see Adrian Peterson. Jay Gruden says they want to get him all lathered up. I want to see Jay. I want to see what Adrian Peterson looks like behind this offensive line. And, uh, you know, that's for me, that's what the offense will be interest. That will make the offense more interesting if Adrian Peterson can run well behind that line. The fantasy world will explode yes. if he goes out there and gets eight carries for 40 yards mm-hmm. and a touchdown. They they will explode. There will be people who come out of the woodwork and say, hey, Dave, do you think Adrian Peterson's back? Do you think he can do this? Third round and pick, the, Dave? Third round the, pick? <laughs> wait, is fourth round too soon for Adrian Peterson? And the answer is, hell yes, it's too soon. It's ridiculous. You don't want to take him then. Um, if you want to take Adrian Peterson with one of your last three picks, who am I to say no? Have fun. It's fantasy football. You know, it's not like I've got the name of a guy who's definitely going to be better. But last time we saw him, he needed 20-plus carries to get 60 yards in a game. The touchdowns weren't very frequent. The fantasy success wasn't very frequent. I think he only had three games with more than nine fantasy points with the Cardinals. I'll be I'll be very surprised if Adrian Peterson – has even a, a good game 
against Denver, even though the Broncos, I don't think are really going to be that prepared for him. They're not going to try to stop him. They're just going to, the Redskins are just going to see what he can do. And if he can handle working in this type of a system, which by the way, isn't a system that he's had a great track record with in the past. It's the West coast. They don't use a fullback very often. Maybe they change things around just to make Adrian Peterson happy, but that would be kind of strange for a team to do after going through all of training camp, thinking one way with their run game and then changing it over for another way because they need the help at running back. I, I do think, though, that at least like you can create sort of a hybrid offense for Adrian Peterson where it's let's get a hole, let's give him a spot where he can do plant and cut and go upfield and pound the rock, and that's sort of the fit where it works. And I tweeted that I thought it was a good fit, not because he's like a perfect zone scheme running back, but, I mean, they can, they can mesh power and zone and, and give Adrian Peterson holes, and he can be – there's just no one there. Like Samaji P. Ryan's banged up. Rob Kelly's banged up. I mean, like Rob Kelly's fit or fat or whatever he is. They need. He's the help. fat. He's fit. He's lost the weight. Yeah, I know. I know. But he, he was fat, Rob, and now he's fit, Rob. And it's, it's. I think we can still call him Fat Rob. I think so too. The branding, the branding thing is not going well for him. Uh, for the Denver Broncos, it would be pretty nice to see Denver not get overwhelmed by this Redskins defensive line. I mentioned them before. I do want to see how they look. I think the Redskins defensive line with Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. And Ryan Kerrigan can be a lot better than advertised or a lot better than people think. And I could see the Redskins having a good run defense. If they can smother the Broncos, I will be uh, much more enthused about my Redskins to win the division bet. And um, if look, if, they, if Case Keenum carves this Redskins te- defense up, I'm I'm in full blown panic mode if I'm a Redskins fan and I'm, I'm breathing a sigh of relief if I'm a Broncos fan. Conversely, if Case Keenum in the passing game stinks, and they can't run. I mean, I'm, I'm still fine with Royce Freeman as a fantasy asset, but it's possible that the, that the Broncos are just another lost cause on offense this year. I'd hate to say that. And the only way I'll really think that is if, honestly, I'll, the only way I'll think that is if Case Keenum gets hurt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not projecting that at all. I think Case Keenum can be good in this offense. We'll see if all the receivers play for Denver. But the Broncos don't exactly have a game breaker at running back. I know that there's a lot being made of Royce Freeman, but really what he is is the best of what's left there. Yeah. Devontae Booker is just a guy. He's really not he, – he, he was drafted old, and he really just – sometimes when you're drafted old, you either break out right away because you're mature enough to break up right away, break out right away, or you're never going to break out because you're old and you know put into a role that's meant for like a 20 or a 21-year-old. Freeman, Freeman doesn't have burner speed. I think he runs like a four or five. Yeah. But everything else about him is great. But again, if his offensive line isn't really awesome and Washington's defense is, it wouldn't surprise me if he averages, if he gets six carries, 24 yards, that's it. And then then we, and then you can walk away, Will, feeling good about the Redskins bet that you made Mm -hmm. and expecting Washington to do very well this season. Here's something that I would point out to you. They open the season at Arizona. Good offensive line or bad offensive line? Uh, better than people think, but bad. Okay. That should be a win for that defensive line. Should be. Week two, home against Indianapolis. Very good. Well, there, there's, I was going to say a very good win, but Indianapolis' offensive line may be a little bit better than people think, but that should be a win for Washington. Well, I think, I think it could be harder for Washington there because Costanzo could play, and I really believe in that Indianapolis offensive line. Sure. And then you've got Green Bay in week three. Good offensive And then line. you've got a bye. So right off the bat, it's going to be an interesting test for this Washington defense to see just how effective they are against three offensive lines that I, I think we can all agree are not the best in the league. 
And the one that might be the best in the league that's at least in Washington's division is Dallas. And, and they've obviously got all sorts of issues going on right now. Well, let's, um, let's just talk about what oh, no, are the Cowboys is the late game on Sunday night. So we'll wait and talk about the Cowboys in a second. And plus maybe okay. more information will pop up. Um, let's go somewhere else in that division to the Giants. The Giants and the Jets play on Friday night, as do the Lions and Buccaneers. Those are two of the, the, the games there. Two rookie running backs in those games, Dave. Uh, one carry on Johnson for the Lions and the other Saquon Barkley for the New York football Giants. If Saquon plays and plays well, how high would you be willing to take him in drafts? I get that. I'm getting that. I I hate focusing on the first 10 picks of a fantasy draft all the time. And I've spent way too, I have the sixth pick in this draft coming up on Saturday. I spent way too much time focusing on the first round. Like ultimately I know what the six guys I'll consider. I know what good pick I'll have. I should just move on and, and do some more research, but it's hard to get off that first round. And people keep asking me about Saquon and how high would you take him? How high would you, Dave Richard, take him? Well, think about what is in store for him this year, provided that he's healthy. He's going to be 20 touches a week. Yeah, He's going to work the goal line. He's going to catch a bunch of passes. Eli's averaged over 100 targets to his running backs the last three seasons. Wow, I, think, I, I think Saquon Barkley is in line for the type of workload that most of the running backs in the first round are getting. Okay. And he happens to be one of the best prospects in years. And think about the running backs that have come out over the past four, three, four years. They've been awesome. He's better than them. Or at least he was in college, and we'll see how he does in the he's, he's more t- He's more talented as a prospect than Zeke Elliott, Todd Gurley, and Leonard Fournette. I think that's yeah. – and, and those guys were great And those talents. guys were awesome in fantasy. Yeah. So, so all right, so – I'm taking him – I've got him ranked – as my fifth favorite running back, I would, in non-PPR, I will take him number five overall. Wow. In PPR, I'll take him six overall behind Antonio Brown. Okay. So I'm in a non-PPR draft at number six. The three, the four guys that I'm considering, David Johnson, if he falls, and I think he might fall in this league. Don't ask why. Um, I, David Johnson is a clear cut pick for me at number six if he is there. If he is not there, it comes down to, uh, Antonio Brown, Kareem Hunt, and Saquon Barkley. And you would go Saquon Barkley? I would go Barkley. That's, and then I would go Brown and then Hunt. Okay. Yeah. I, the problem with the, the wide receiver at five or six for me, could you, can you hear my son screaming? Is that? I did. Okay. I liked it though. Yeah. It's fine. Reminds He's, me of my house. Usually he doesn't show up to like the second half of the podcast. Oh, okay. We're, we're, we're moving very slow. That's fine. Um, I'm not going to dwell, delve into that any further, but I think that you can get a very good wide receiver in that, if you're in that five or six spot on the way back, like a Mike Evans, I agree. Devontae Adams, et cetera. So, and the running backs that are going to be left there just aren't going to be quite as exciting as exactly. the receivers. You, so I would lean running back. Yep. You've always pounded the table for a running back early and always. I love, I love the wide receivers, the stud wide receivers, Antonio Brown, but if you miss out, if you're at the top of a draft and you miss on a stud running back, you're not getting another look. That's it. It's done. And when you get to the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds, you're taking chances on guys that might not pan out. So, uh, Lions. Right. So like, like a carry on Johnson, perhaps, who you might take in the Oh, he, he might be gone by then. Oh, you think so? There, there is excitement about him. Um, you know, we, we debate carry on all the time on the fantasy football today podcast. Jamie is a huge fan of his. I, I'm not as much. I'm probably not going to end up with carry on on many of my teams. Um, I, the Lions have always preferred to use multiple running backs ever since Jim Bob Cooter got there. Got to mention Jim Bob Cooter every time you talk about the Lions offense, right? I, I, I got to do, I got to speak at my old high school last year and I got to say, I was standing up on the podium in the chapel and I got to say Jim Bob Cooter. And I was like, yep. Yeah. I was like, guys, listen, that's all you got to ask in life is you get invited back to your high school and get to say Cooter up here. Uh, 
So yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, you got to sneak that in. And you're right too. Like not only do they have Jim Bob Cooter with the multiple running backs, they're bringing in Matt Patricia who comes from a place that was the king of the multiple running backs in, in that's very true. And one of those running backs that they have used to play yep. where Matt Patricia was, which is new England. And that's LeGarrette Blunt. So what, what's the real upside for carry on Johnson? 15 carries per game, couple of catches, max. Mm-hmm. Theo Riddick looked pretty svelte when he was running around. I know he's a little banged up, but he looked pretty good in the second preseason game. LeGarrette Blunt is typically money at the goal line. Where is Carrion Johnson going to find 10 fantasy points from week to week? Is he going to have to break a long run like he did against the Raiders on a play that got called back? I have a hard time buying it. Furthermore, Will, he averaged about 26 touches per game last year at Auburn. And he's got a long list of injuries in his past. So Johnson might be somebody I would consider maybe round five, not round four. He needs to be Deion Lewis circa late last year if he wants to return the value that he's going for in fantasy drafts. Uh, are you, are you off Ronald Jones completely as well? I assume. No, I've, I, before training camp started, he was my second favorite rookie running back. Mm, I, I like I, him. He just can't pass protect apparently. Oh, there's a lot more going on than that, Will. He he looks like he's running scared, tentative, hesitant, um, not sure where he's supposed to be or where his line's supposed to be. There were a number of runs that he had where the quarterback is handing off the ball and the offensive line is already falling apart in front of him, and he just has nowhere to go. The catches are another issue. He dropped his very first target, his second target. The route he ran, he slipped. By the time he got up, the ball was thrown basically on the ground by Jameis. I think there's a lot of work to do. As a pass protector, he's hot and cold. Sometimes he makes a great play and sometimes he whiffs. So because he's not a finished product yet, I think fantasy owners have to really scale back expectations on him. But they do still like him in Tampa Bay. They're not calling him a bust by any stretch. They're happy to have Peyton Barber. We talked to Pete Prisco this week on Fantasy Football Today on CBS Sports HQ. That's every day at noon Eastern. And he told us that they're, they're definitely not giving up on him. And Pete predicts that Barber will begin the year as the starter and get about 15 touches per game. And Ronald Jones will get a little close to 10. But by the midseason, it'll flip. Mm. And Ronald Jones, with that versatility that he's got, he'll learn to be less tentative. He'll play without thinking. He'll be better as a pass catcher. He made a great one-handed grab in, in practice just this past week. He'll be the guy getting 15 touches per week. And Barber will be the one getting around 10. I thought that Ronald Jones would blow Peyton Barber out of the water and be the the dominant running back in Tampa Bay. Hasn't come close to happening. That's a good thing because now I can draft him maybe as late as round nine, Will. Put him on my bench and just wait. And there's three rookie running backs you can do that with. You can do it with him, you can do it with Sony Michelle, and you can do it with Rashad Penny. Draft him anywhere between round seven and nine, and you just have to be patient. And remember, to those of you listening, first of all, Dave Otez of this podcast know that Pete Prisco was on here this week driving to Tampa using his speaker because he refused to put his phone against his ear for 20 minutes like the selfish jerk he is. Just kidding, Pete. Love you. Um, and then, of course, you also remember if you've been playing fantasy and you had David Johnson his rookie year and you dropped him or you had Alvin Kamara last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, that's the example is Kamara. Right, exactly. Like, don't draft a rookie. If you draft him around nine, be prepared to ride it out. Stack. Build your roster in a way that you can ride it out. Like if don't don't be like don't go zero running back and then think that Ronald Jones is going to be able to be your answer at running back two right away or flex right away. You need to have some depth there if you want to go with that. 
or go zero running back and draft all these guys True. and hope that two of them can crawl their way out from under the carpet. True. Exactly. Uh, moving along. And by the way, if you have anything else you want to chat about with these teams, obviously dive right in, but I want to make sure that I get you out of here in time for you to get home and beat the, the Fort Lauderdale traffic, Dave. Uh, <laughs> two more games on Friday night. The Seahawks are at the Vikings and the Packers are at the Raiders. I am intrigued by some of these guys, like a David Moore for the Seattle. Unbelievable, this child. Uh, by a David Moore. <laughs> He's, he's, you know, I'm very proud of Robbie though. Today he downloaded on his little iPad thing. He downloaded, um, a Spanish game. He wants to learn Spanish. So that's exciting. That's great. Yeah. My son is also learning Spanish, except he's about 12 years older than Robbie. Right. Robbie can, uh, can do all the colors in Spanish and can count in Spanish now. So he's, cool. he's ahead of my son. Well, that's, it's fine. Um, believe me, we'll trade. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a couple of guys I want to watch and see how they look. Um, the Vikings have some undrafted running backs. You got, uh, you got Mike Boone, who's got 25 carries, 113 yards and a touchdown. Even if he doesn't make the team, and it's possible he might not, he could land somewhere and get some opportunity. Like maybe even the Seahawks, where they suddenly have a need with Fumble and Chris Carson and Rashad Penny. So I'm curious to see how some of the very fringe guys on these rosters play out as they relate to maybe deep flyers. Um, you know, I think the Vikings defense is locked in as a top tier, uh, unit. Rock Thomas is out there as well. He's got five catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns for the Vikings. Any any of those guys spark any interest in you for deep 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 flyers? Uh, only in dynasty leagues where you've got 25 bench spots and you just need a name to fill in a spot. That's where I would put Rock Thomas. What about Mike? You're not a Mike. You're not a Mike Boone guy. I mean, Boone had a nice couple of runs against Jacksonville the week before. He had 22 yards on 12 carries against Denver, and he uh, he's got a total of four catches for 22 yards. Okay. Not very exciting. What about a Chris Warren guy? You're not in on Chris Warren? Give me. I'm just kidding. Kind of. I don't know Chris. Mm, no, Chris no, 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 no. I, I listen. Uh, that's another guy that that guy's going to be on an NFL roster. Yeah, Chris Warren it's for just, the Raiders. It's a matter of whether it's the Raiders roster or somebody else's roster. If the Raiders think that they can sneak him on to their practice squad, they're crazy because he's averaged over six yards per carry this preseason. He looks like he belongs. He looked like he belonged when he was in college. And Oakland probably should invest in some youth at running back, given that Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin are their top two guys. Jalen Richard got a lot of props from Jay Gruden, John Gruden this week, and uh, DeAndre Washington is banged up. So I don't know if they're going to carry five running backs, but if they do, those are the five. Before I mentioned in Warren, he's he's going to be pretty good. That's a guy that maybe if if Oakland got stupid and tried to sneak him onto their practice squad that I could see the Redskins try and snap yeah. up and use right away. Or how about a brotherly trade, Will? I'm John Gruden. You're Jay yes. Gruden. You need a running back. I've got one, bro. What are you going to give me for Chris Warren? Bro, bro, what's up, bro? Uh Look, you know we got this Adrian Peterson thing. Uh Adrian Peterson for Chris Warren, straight up. How you doing? No, I'm not going to do that. for. I've already got a bunch of old running backs. Give me a draft pick. And so here's what I'm thinking. Make it a sixth rounder, Jay. And if you happen to make the playoffs, if you happen to make the playoffs, it'll probably be because this running back I'm giving you is going to be good. So then the pick becomes a fifth rounder if you make the playoffs. I got to be honest, bro. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really know why you think this trade value thing works the way you think it works. But when we make the playoffs, as that Brinson kid predicted at CBS, uh, where, you know, we win the division, then, then yeah, I'm going to give that, I'm going to give that to you. 
De- done deal. You got it. I'll send you Chris. You send me Chris Warren. I'll send you a six. Becomes a fifth when I make the playoffs. How's that sound? Perfect. Now I'm going to make a face. Now we're making Gruden faces for those that are listening and can't hear it. Uh, anything else pop out to you about Packers, Raiders, and Seahawks, Vikings? I'm interested to see how those rookie wide receivers do for, for Green Bay. Equinemius, St. Brown, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, and Jamon Moore. As if they, I mean, they could win the Scrabble tournament with these three That's a names. Heat check by you, Dave. They've, they've got some very interesting talents and good size too. And, uh, Geronimo Allison is trying to hang on to that number three receiver role. And I think he's going to keep it, but I think he's going to stay on the outside. Real big questions about what could happen in the slot with Randall Cobb. I, I know that there was the story that came out that said that the Packers aren't really interested in trading him. What that means is, well, if you give us a call and you're interested in this contract, maybe we can talk. But I can't even do a mock trade with you now, Will, because I think I think his salary is just too high yeah. for, for Randall Cobb to get moved unless he agrees to a restructure. And if he's going to agree to a restructure, then the Packers might as well keep him. Yep. No, you're right. Uh, the Chiefs and Bears kick off Saturday's action with a little, I like these Saturday matinee games. We had the Vikings and, uh, and, and Jaguars last week. Now we get Chiefs, Bears, Mahomes, Trubisky. But I'll yeah. tell you what, I'll tell you what I'm looking for here, Dave. Two things. One, I want to see how the Chiefs defense looks because I've got the Chiefs winning the AFC West. I am very concerned that this defense is going to stink. But if it does stink, I think there's a couple of points of value here. If the Chiefs are terrible on defense, and it's possible that they are, they're missing Eric Berry this preseason. Um, linebackers are banged up, not a ton of. Where's depth. their pass rush coming from? Yeah, I mean, like, exactly. If I the, mean, they got D, they got D, but other than and, that, right? It just what, what else is there? Right. Well, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, he's not as good as he used to be. Yeah. He's, he's, he'll flash, but if the Chiefs' defense is terrible, oh look, we got a dog coming up here too. Exciting. Uh, if the Chiefs' defense is terrible, not only is it is it a big bonus for Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Kareem, maybe Kareem Hunt, probably Kareem Hunt, and especially Tyreek Hill? Uh, I think that it's a good value play to take maybe just the over in this game at 46.5, which is high for a preseason game. But I could see the Chiefs being a valuable team to play against in fantasy and a team to bet the over on early in, in the season. So I'm going to be looking to see if the Chiefs defense can put anything together. And I want to see where... Trey Burton catches the ball when he catches 14 passes against this Chiefs <laughs> offense or defense. Well, first of all, one thing that strikes me is that this is a great tune-up game for the Bears. Yep. Because week one, they play against the Packers. It's a defense that's very similar to what Green Bay, the, to what Kansas City has. And it's an offense that's very similar to what Kansas City has. Both West Coast schemes, both three, four units. This is, this is about as good as it gets in terms of prep. For the Chicago Bears. Both offenses have a lot to look forward to. We didn't see anything from Allen Robinson last week. I would imagine he'll be a focal point of the Bears offense this week. I bet we see a little bit less of Jordan Howard and a little bit more of Tariq Cohen. I think we'll continue to see Trey Burton, maybe not quite as much, and more of Allen Rob or not Robinson, but uh Anthony Miller. And I think they're going to continue to try and take deep shots to Kevin White just to see if they can connect on those. And the Bears defense is is also a very interesting unit. They've got a lot of talented guys, but now Leonard Floyd has the hand injury. Who knows if he'll be ready for week one. The secondary's got some good talent. No Roquan Smith in there. Not sure if they're going to play all their defensive linemen. This could be a game where we see the Chiefs offense really go off and really inflate perception because the Bears won't be at full strength on defense. And if that happens, that's great for fantasy 
with one exception. I want to get Patrick Mahomes in round nine or round ten, mm-hmm. man. I don't want to have to spend a round seven pick on him. And that's what might happen if he goes out there and throws another bomb to Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's ADP is going to go up. Yep. And and so will Patrick Mahomes. People are going to chase what they see. And this is going to be the only game on Saturday afternoon. The whole world's going to be watching. And it's this is the most fun game of, of preseason week three. There's a lot on the line for, for both teams in terms of fantasy value and fantasy expectations changing based off of a preseason game, which sounds dumb as hell. But that's the way that this world works is that people judge these players a lot on what they do in the preseason. If Tyreek Hill catches like two long touchdown passes on Saturday afternoon and people are He will be the number 11 consensus wide receiver in drafts. People will take him right after T.Y. Hilton, maybe even before T.Y. Hilton, if Andrew Luck can't complete a pass beyond 20 yards. Are are you comfortable with Tyreek Hill as a wide receiver one in your league? Yes. Yes, I am. But you you have to know what you're getting into with him because he's not going to be the type of guy that's going to get nine targets a week. Right. And be a factor in the red zone. He's, he's a good route runner, but they, they have so many other options. Like that's where Sammy Watkins excelled last year was in the red zone. So they're not going to necessarily take that away. And Travis Kelsey's pretty good in the red zone. And by the way, Patrick Mahomes ran for 22 touchdowns in 25 games, his last 25 games at Texas Tech. That's a good Just another reason to take him late on draft day. Hey, by the way, with Tyreek Hill last year with Alex Smith and Alex Smith's out of nowhere career year deep passing effort. Nine catches of 40 plus yards. If that goes to 12, that's not crazy. If it goes to 15, which is not insane with Patrick Mahomes throwing him. If he has 15 catches of 40 plus yards or more, is that, is that crazy? Is that 15? Is, is I mean, that's a minimum of 600 yards right there. Exactly. That's, it's, that, that seems a little steep. It seems me. crazy, but I mean, Mahomes just has a way better arm and is, un, is willing to uncork it. Let's that is true. But here's here's one of my favorite things that people don't realize about Tyreek Hill. Forget about the fact no, you're not gonna forget about the fact that he wasn't very used much that he wasn't used much in the red zone. He was top ten in fantasy consistency among wide receivers last year. Yeah. Uh um, that's it was an off year for wide receivers, but he still did it. And I think he should get credit for it, and I think he's got the chance to do it again. I need to see my Tennessee Titans play well. They're the uh, there's two games actually. Oh goodness gracious! There are three games at the four o'clock hour on Saturday. What a what a bonanza, if you will. It's like a. Have it's you ever like heard that word? Five bonanza? of the NFL season. You have know. You, have you ever heard anybody use the word bonanza? Do you like that word? No, I've I've never heard that before. <laughs> for those that's that, pretty smart, Will. I like it. For those that don't don't listen, I, and I know a lot of people came here via the Fantasy Football Today podcast because I, I see it in the thing. They're like, "Oh, Brinson, we love this podcast. You're like a rich man's Adam Azer. So fantastic!" But Adam Azer every week does a um, does a bonanza game, and he picks what he thinks will be the biggest fantasy explosion, and inevitably it ends up being a total dud, and that's like the running gag or whatever. But you should be subscribing and listening to and downloading and resubscribing and unsubscribing and resubscribing to Fantasy Football Today. The best fantasy football podcast on the planet featuring Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, Chris Towers, too, and of course, Adam Azer, the host, uh, the host with, uh, the most cats. Titans at Steelers, Texans at Rams, and 49ers at Colts. Well, there's some fun games here. Yeah. And uh, just the quarterbacks alone in three, in four of those six quarterbacks. Jimmy Garoppolo, who's looked fantastic this preseason, has shown me no reason to think he won't be good. Thrown to Marquise Goodwin and George Kittle. Uh, I, I assume Kittle will play in this game, not 100%. Uh, I'm in on Marquise Goodwin. I'd love to get him as a wide receiver three. Maybe Depends having, on who you're drafting with. Jamie Eisenberg's point. taking him in the fifth round. I mean, just Yeah, keep, I, that's too that's, rich for my blood. Me too, me too. I want him, I want to go running back in the first, 
wide receiver, wide receiver, running back, and 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 then pick up another wide receiver before getting Marquise Goodwin. And then all of a sudden, I'm feeling very good. Yeah, I just I don't know if he's got that built-in upside that you're hoping for. I mean, that, he's taking him in the same range, maybe a little higher than Corey Davis, who is like the ultimate barometer of receiver who's done almost nothing but still has upside for 1,200 yards and seven touchdowns. But he, but Corey Davis looked really good in the postseason last year. He looked good when they started the season. He just got injured. So if he could stay healthy and play 16 games, right. he can move. He can be the chain mover. How are you? Where are you at with uh, Taiwan Taylor and, and the Titans' offense in general? I mean, you, you can't overrate Taiwan Taylor because of, you know, one really big play right. and another nice play after that. So I'm, I'm not very high on Taiwan Taylor. I'm trying to find him in my rankings as we speak. Where is he? Where are you? Oh, there you are. 126th overall. So I'm probably not going to get Taiwan Taylor in many of my leagues. I don't know if Marcus Mariota can support two wide receivers and a tight end. And oh, two, and two running backs. And Deion Lewis. Well, he doesn't really have to do that much for Derrick Henry. Right. Because Derrick Henry's not. But every time Derrick Henry carries the ball, it's one less passing attempt from Marcus Mariota and therefore one less target. Right. I'm, and part of me really doesn't want to, part of me doesn't want to trust Marcus Mariota to be my fantasy starter. Mm. And that, that's easy to do. It's whether or not he's worth using as a, a late round pick on to be like a blue chip. If he's good, I can trade him. If he sucks, I can cut him type of player. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. And I think Mariota's going to have a really nice year. And I think that you're going to see Jared Goff type stuff from him and Matt LaFleur's offense. But I don't want him to be my number one. No. I also don't want to pair Mariota with Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'd rather pair Patrick Mahomes with Philip Rivers or Matt Ryan. Right. Or, you want a safety net to go with. Exactly. Give and me I don't a, know if Mariota is the safety net. I'm with you 100% there. Uh, not much to take from the Steelers for me here. If James Washington keeps piling up stats, though, you're going to have to take him. And uh, there's a lot of guys in that offense, but he can he's going to see some targets. That guy goes up and gets the ball. Yeah. He likes to moss people. Do you see a little bit of Antonio Brown in him? Yeah, sure. That's, I think that's what the Steelers saw, and that's why they raced to get him on draft day. Don't you wish you were as good, as good at, as Kevin Colbert is at drafting wide receivers at anything in your life? Well, uh, didn't he draft Sammy Coates? Yeah, but I mean, he also draft, I mean, like, I mean, Mike Wallace, Antonio Holmes, Antonio Brown, Martavis Bryant, James Washington, they've at least like, I mean, and who, uh, who else am I missing? Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean, they, they draft lots of them. Well, he's no Jeff Fisher. But he's not bad. <laughs> um, all right, so look out for James Washington there. Of course, everyone is in on most of their skill and position guys. By the way, I'm I, I I reluctantly am part of no juju in fantasy. Sure, I I, he's I think he's expensive. a little overrated. And if James Washington plays well, that'll absolutely hurt Juju Smith Schuster. My dog, by the way, is up here now chewing in a David Byrne CD. What you can't make that up. He's chewing up a David Byrne. It's compact disc. What the hell's going on in my life? There um, he was. <laughs> uh, Texans at the Rams. Uh, what, look, Deshaun Watson's, I'm, I'm off Deshaun Watson. I think he's great. He's been oh. great this year. Well, I'm on him as a player. I'm just off him for fantasy. Where are you drafting him? Uh, he's too expensive. I don't, I don't draft quarterbacks that high. Okay. I will take the chance on him in late round five. I would consider that because of his upside. Right. But that, cause his upside is number one quarterback, the number one guy, the most productive player. His touchdown percentage, in his touchdown percentage is not replicable over a full season. He can't, he can't no, do what he was doing. He's not, but I still think he can get you, I still think he can get you two a week, most weeks between his rushing and his throwing. I think he can get you there. 
And I think he's got the chance to have some just monsters. 40 burger weeks, yeah. just like absolute monsters that destroy your opponent. And he's the reason why the very interesting thing that I saw in week two of the preseason. I pointed this out in the podcast this week, but they threw the ball on third and goal and fourth and goal from the quarter inch line. The Texans did. They are scared of that offensive line. They don't trust it. They don't trust it to run the ball. They're not going to be a good running team. They're going to operate out of shotgun, no huddle, and that's that's good for Deshaun Watson's fantasy value. I agree. I agree. Uh, 49ers, as we pointed out, and then Colts. Look, we got Andrew Luck. Go give us something, buddy. Give us something. He's thrown, uh, I want to say, 24, 23 passes. Mm-hmm. None of them have gone more than 20 yards in the air past the line of scrimmage. I don't think Cam Newton has either, for what it's worth. They're not they're not stretching him out. I don't think they're going to stretch him out until the regular season. Yeah. Now, Cam, you can expect it from. But <clears throat> have you seen a lot of video footage from practice of Andrew Luck dropping back, winding up, and nope. uncorking a 40-yarder? Nope. It's a concern. I'm sure, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure it's happened a few times. Maybe, maybe they're doing it like, like the Pats did with Randy Moss in 07. It's like, yeah, we don't know. Moss might not play. He might be on the pup list. Who knows? Just kidding. He's going to break the record for most receiving yards. Um, I don't think that's going to happen. Okay. We got to keep moving. Falcons at Jaguars. What do you need to see here? I feel like these are kind of self-explanatory. I mean, maybe the, the target share for the wide receivers in Jacksonville is interesting for me because I'm drafting Keelan Cole late on Pete Prisco's advice. Yeah. Um, I like D.D. Westbrook. He's gotten good reviews out of camp. And uh, Marquise Lee, Pete said, shut up, child. Marquise Lee said on this very podcast, Pete Prisco said on this very podcast that Marquise Lee is the guy, the chain mover, the third and seventh guy for the Jaguars. But I have the feeling that it's going to be a different receiver every week in an offense that's quarterbacked by Blake Bortles. <laughs> do you really, do you really want to no. invest in that on your fantasy team? No. Keelan Cole, you can get late. Uh, Lee, I, he keeps on sinking in my rankings. I'm not excited to draft him. I'm really not excited to draft any of these guys because I don't think they'll be consistent starters for my team. Uh, John Brown is an interesting guy for the Ravens for me. And I'm sort of liking what I see out of Kenyon Drake. I was off of him earlier, but you watch him play. You watch this dink and dunk offense that the Dolphins are running with Ryan Tannehill. I can see Albert Wilson. I can see Danny Amendola having some value. And I can see Kenyon Drake being a factor, especially in PPR leagues. I can too, but you keep hearing about Frank Gore working with him. Ah, stop. It's the dumbest thing in the world. It's ridiculous. He'll, he's like, going to run. I mean, they'll give him yards. He's going to run for three give him, yards. Give carry. him six, seven carries. Yeah. Or if the Dolphins are in a blowout at home, let him let him go crazy. Let him drive those hometown fans wild. But uh, I, you know, Adam Gase isn't an idiot. No, smart. You know, not like his old offensive line coach. That guy was an idiot. <laughs> Adam Gase is pretty smart, <laughs> and even he would have to realize that. Kenyon Drake is just, he's got the ability to be a game breaker. Put him in position to break games because I don't know if they've got a chance to win many games with Ryan Tannehill under center. The, uh, two guys, two wide receivers, two young wide receivers I'm looking for in the Saints Chargers game. Mike Williams, who can potentially fill the void as everyone has pointed Love out him. of Hunter Henry. He Love went up him. and got a ball last week. He's yeah. going to do that every week. He's a he's a red zone threat, a guy you want to roster on the back end of your your or a guy you want to hold on the back end of your roster who you can plug in for bye weeks. Maybe he starts to explode. He's going to have touchdown potential every week. And uh, then Traquan Smith, 
The Saints have a good history, Dave, of rookie wide receivers, um, dating back to Marquise Colson. Of course, Brandon Cooks blew up for them as a rookie in 2014, and Mike Thomas in 2016. Traquan Smith starting in the Ted Ginn role would not be surprising, and I think he would be a fantasy factor. But they've got Ted Ginn. So where does Ted Ginn play? Save some money if they cut Ted Ginn. Yeah, and we know that Cameron Meredith isn't at 100 percent either. So it could be quite an elevator up for Traquan Smith. Yeah, definitely a guy to keep an eye on. He does have speed. He does have talent. Uh, Going back to Mike Williams, I thought it was weird when the Chargers drafted him last year, and then he didn't play. Yeah. Now it looks like yeah. Well, now it looks like he could be. He's he's already got everything set up for him to be successful because Hunter Henry's out. If Antonio Gates comes back, he's going to be used in very sparing situations. He won't be in there a lot. Mike Williams currently isn't even their number two wide receiver when they line up in two receiver sets. That's okay. He's just going to be a guy that goes and gets jump balls in the end zone. And it almost doesn't matter who they play each week. By the way, the Chiefs are who they've got first in week one. Find me, find me a cornerback in Kansas City that can match up well with Mike Williams. The answer is that you can't. And then they've got Buffalo after that. Hello. So he, he could go get off to a start where he gets 40, 50 yards and a touchdown. Maybe puts up numbers like a tight end would, mm-hmm. but does it so much that fantasy owners don't mind using him as a number three receiver. I think I've said this on the podcast. I think his ceiling is 800 yards and eight touchdowns. Wow. That's a, uh, that's a, that's a guy you draft late. That's a number two fantasy wide receiver. And, and you're drafting him as a number three. And look. For people who are doing the drafts this weekend, take a flyer on Mike Williams late. If he comes out and he does that the first two weeks, you buzz up your buddy whose wide receivers stink, and you do what people did with Will Fuller two years ago. Flip him for something that you can get uh, that's undervalued, and that's the move you make there. And if you miss him and he gets off to a decent start, week three he plays the Rams. Mm. Now that is a team that can match up with Mike Williams. That's after that game, trade for him while his value sinks a little bit. The next few games for the Chargers. 49ers at home, Raiders at home, at the Browns, Titans in London. Hello. That's a nice four-game stretch. He might score. Will, am I going crazy? Six of his first seven games? That's not out of the question. I mean, he's going to be the red zone. I mean, zone. that would be pretty ridiculous. But, but Keenan Allen's not a tremendous red zone threat. Like he, I mean, he's fine. He's a bigger body, but he's more of a chain-moving guy. They need a they need right. Hunter Henry's replacement. And, and it's already set up for him to be it, that guy. Right, and Virgil Green is not the answer. I mean, he will be a couple of times. Sure, but I mean, it, this this is Mike Williams' role, and if right. he if he stays healthy, he can be a big factor this year. Two games the, left. Oh, okay, sorry, no, I'll stop no, talking. No, 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 no. I'm no. I'm just gonna say, at the beginning of the year, Keenan Allen's gonna be the one getting double teams in the red zone, and that's gonna yes, free up Williams. Right. And then after a while, the defenses are gonna say, "Oh crap, we better start doing something about that big lug wearing number eighty-one for the Chargers." Dave, the and o- that could open things up for Keenan Allen. Dave, the only thing that's causing me to speed up the pace of the podcast is that I don't want you to be mad that I'm holding you because I would talk to you for two hours about fantasy and football. I just figure right now, if your dog was eating a David Byrne CD, then your son probably is like lighting the couch on fire. Right, He now. is sitting on the couch playing with my telephone. He, I had him with his iPad. The iPad died. Um, it was plugged up. Something happened. And then he, he came up. He's like, <clears throat> and I could he, could he accidentally dial a contact that you have that maybe he shouldn't. Uh, yeah, but he's pretty, he's pretty good at it. He just went straight to Disney now and he's playing little like Lion Guard video games. So that's, that's that why, like fun. that's why, yeah, it sounds like a blast. He's got a pretty good life. Um, two games left. The only two games on Sunday. There's a four o'clock game on Fox that the, that the Bills get to show Josh Allen to the world against the Bengals. And, um, 
we're going to get to find out just how high the Joe Mixon hype train will go. I, I've been riding Joe Mixon all offseason. I wanted to get him in a bunch of fantasy drafts. I will not spend a second-round pick on him. I am hesitant to spend a third-round pick on him, depending on what my running back situation is. If I go wide receiver, wide receiver, I'll do it. If I go running back, wide receiver, I, I'm not going to take Joe Mixon over a T.Y. Hilton or a um, or a uh, Tyreek Hill. Well, then you're probably not going to get him. That's because right. he's turned into one of these players where someone in every league will target him right in that curb between 20th and 26th overall. Yep. And that's, that's going to be the Joe Mixon range. That's where he's going to end up being. And I don't quite see it. I, I think he, I think what they've done for him this offseason is great. New offensive line coach, improved offensive line. The blocking is perfect for a patient runner like Mixon. I don't know. I, I just I I'm not sold on him being uh, a potential 1300 yard, eight touchdown running back. I think the numbers will be a little bit harder for him to come by. I think Giovanni Bernard still has earned quite a bit of trust there, and he could take it. It won't be much. It could be as many as seven touches per game, but it might not leave a ton on the bone for Mixon, who last year averaged three and a half yards per carry. Yeah, the offensive line was bad. I do like the improvements they they made at the coaching staff. Draft Gio Bernard, guys. You can get him in like the twelfth round, tenth or twelfth round, even in non PPR. If if Mixon gets hurt, Geo gets carries. Draft Mark Walton too while you're at it. There's there's value there in the Bengals backfield late in drafts. Um it, do you want anything to do with anyone on the Buffalo Bills offense this year or defense? Earlier this offseason, I uh I got excited about Calvin Benjamin because I thought he'd have a chance at getting hundred and twenty targets. And I still do. And I think that by the end of the year he will probably have enough volume to say, okay. He got close to a thousand yards. He had a bunch of touchdowns, but it wasn't, it wasn't pretty. And he, you were never real confident to use him. Will, I was in Cleveland last weekend I and I saw game. the Bills and Browns live and Buffalo looks terrible yeah. offensively. Their line is rough and you know, they're going to start Josh Allen week one. That's just the way that I think it's going to go. And he's going to be running for his life against the Ravens. It's, it's not going to be pretty. And I think the Bills are set up for a really rough, really bad season. I think that they are going to be the worst team in football, and I don't think it's going to be particularly close. The final game, Cardinals at the Cowboys. I got to see what this offensive line looks like. Who? I mean, the Cowboys are shutting everybody down for the rest of the preseason. This is a Sunday night game. What is their What is their play here? Are they shutting down the offensive linemen? I mean, are they, well, just, I mean, are they just saying, you know what? See if you can guess what we're going to have once the regular season shows up. Dave, I, this is the we, – we chatted about – I wonder if it's – I guess it's obviously – Did a monkey just run into your house? Somebody asked me if I had a bird. They're like, did you buy a parrot? I was like, no, that's my son sitting in the stairwell playing Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, the ca- we we I've, I've got your quote that's going up in a post later today. I am have moved Zeke Elliott down from my number two guy in fantasy down to my number five guy. In fantasy, I'll take him at five or six if he's there. But this offensive line, Travis Frederick, I think is going to miss most of the season with this um, uh, autoimmune disorder that is very dangerous that they caught in the early stages. I, I just don't think he's going to play a ton. Tyron Smith is being held out. He's got back issues that he dealt with last year in the offensive line was a disaster when he was hurt. Lyle Collins on Thursday suffered an ankle injury that is keeping him out. Zach Martin's dealing with a hyperextended knee. I mean, these are four guys. Four guys on the what could be the best offensive line in football that suddenly looks like it might just be a bunch of dudes with a new offensive line coach who stunk in Cincinnati. I'm not off Zeke Elliott completely, but 
it's gonna he's gonna have to fall to me for me to take him. And you didn't even mention the fifth offensive lineman, which is rookie Connor Williams, who has struggled, <laughs> struggled in the preseason, struggled in practice, and hasn't looked the part. So what do you look for in a game like this? Uh, I'm going to start by looking at Williams and Frederick's replacement, which is Josh Looney. Yeah. And let's be honest, there's a chance that by the time week one comes around and they're playing against Carolina, four-fifths of that starting offensive line is there and ready to go. Frederick is and the, not like And the one who's not is if Frederick, yeah, I I'm thinking about him and just getting his quality of life back yeah. because he's just like fantasy is the last thing that he should ever have to do with this. I'm, I, I want to see how Joe Looney does. There's going to be a lot of attention paid to him and how he holds up against a pretty good Cardinals defense. So if he can pass that test, that would make me a little more optimistic about, um, this Cowboys offensive line. And it would cause me to probably not move down Ezekiel Elliott. The one thing you've got to remember. Ezekiel Elliott was not made because of this offensive line. No. You can make the argument that Rod Smith and Alfred Morris, when they had good games in Dallas, that was because of the offensive line. Ezekiel Elliott can can certainly transcend this, and and he could also get work as a pass catcher, which means he could get 50, 60 grabs like a lot of other running backs can, and he can average more yards per catch that way than he could yards per carry. He'll also run to the edges quite a bit. I, I I can't rule him out, and I can't say that I would be unexcited to draft Ezekiel Elliott because of the offensive line. It it would change if Zach Martin's out for the first month of the season, and Tyron Smith isn't going to last more than five games, and Connor Williams is as good as it gets for the Cowboys up front. Then it's a Buffalo situation, and you go, <laughs> ew, I don't want that. But I, I still think there's a pretty decent chance that when week one starts, Four-fifths of that O-line will be there for Ezekiel Elliott. And look, I talked about that number six spot I had before. If I'm sitting there at six and this offensive line issue causes Zeke to drop to six, I'll take it. I'm not going to – don't blink, don't think. I'll take Zeke Elliott, and if he ends up being a 2,000-yard back, I'm going to win my league, and if not, I'll figure things out later. Uh, My preferred guy, though, David Johnson, eight rushes, 50 yards, one touchdown. He has looked like the David Johnson of old so far this preseason. Absolutely. And that's another guy who's dealing with an offensive line that isn't great to begin with mm-hmm. and lost its center. How's that working out? So far, so good. That's true. Good point, Dave. Uh, good points, all podcasts. I got to get you out of here so you can get home and see your children who are probably playing on their phones and screaming or something. Uh, they're, they're playing on their phones and ignoring their parents. At, that's right. Uh, at Dave Richard on Twitter. You should be watching him on CBS Sports HQ at cbssports.com backslash live. Make sure and listen to him on the Fantasy Football Today podcast every day. You can subscribe to that on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever such things live. Thanks, Dave. It's always a blast, buddy. And same here, Will. Always fun to talk with you on the Pick 6.